Hey, shut up and listen. The Shut Up and Listen Podcast, hosted by Jim Gray. Raw, unedited phone interview. Talking about music, movies, culture, business, and random stuff. Now, enough of me. Let's hear from Jim Gray. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Shut Up and Listen podcast. And uh, today, I'm joined by Latifah Phillips. Latifah, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Where are you from today? Are you Where are you from? Where are you at? Are you in the Denver area? <laughs> I'm in the Denver area. I'm at my home studio right now. Awesome. I love working in. Is that where you spend most of your time? Or what does that look like? Yeah, if I'm not on the road, I am in this room in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're sequestered. Yes. Nothing gets yeah. done until the work's done. Um, and tell me, so the name of your your current solo project that you have is Moda Spira. And tell me about what does Moda Spira mean? Moda Spira is Latin for the mode or continual act of breathing. Um, spira, inspiration, you know, taking breath in, taking breath out. Also can be converted to creativity, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I have this knack for picking really odd band names for all my projects that are hard to pronounce. <laughs> right. Right. Especially like in the other one that we just talked about was um was one that you know involves Roman numerals. And I'm I don't do math or Roman numerals. <laughs> I know. It's I so need weird. like I need to Google that. <laughs> I know. I've always called it page CXVI, but my drummer always says page 116. So yeah. Either way, a band member can agree with you. And what's the difference between the two acts? Um, page CXVI started about uh, eight or nine years ago, and that is all about remodernizing old hymns to kind of bring them into another generation um, for the church. And then Moda Spira is just a solo project for me to explore the topic of conflict and reconciliation, intimacy, and marriage. And it's songs that are not in the worship space. It's definitely uh, in a listening contemplative space, which is different than Page 6VI, which is yeah. kind of meant for a community. And uh, so let's talk about the production of the new album. When did you start songwriting for that? Oh, man. I mean, to be honest, I was on the road with Page 6VI, you know, for many years. In the last couple of years, I started having song ideas. I would sit down on the road with the piano or have a melody idea in my car and start tracking it on voice memo, which is the way I kind of record all my first ideas. Mm -hmm. And so that probably started happening three years ago. And then it wasn't until two years ago that I sat down, we came off the road with Paige that I finally had the time to devote to saying, okay, I'm ready to craft a solo record. The guys were kind of on sabbatical with Paige right now. Our drummer wanted to start his family and my husband wanted to try a new business venture. Um, who's also in the band Reed. And I don't want to do anything else but make music. So um, it was the perfect time for me to sit down and focus on this record. And I knew I wanted to write something that was deeply personal, um, deeply experiential to me, that kind of spoke into the space of love that wasn't infatuation, um, crazy crush love, and wasn't, I hate you, you broke my heart, yeah. you cheated on me, love, which is kind of what we get a lot in music. We get a lot of bipolar concepts yeah. about what love looks like. And um, there's a few records out there, but I wanted to kind of contribute to the conversation of the nuance of being in a long-term committed relationship with somebody and what it is day in, day out to mm. really learn about loving somebody else well. Because marriage is, is fun, but it's hard. Exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. it's, sometimes it's, uh, 
you're like, man, this is great. And then like something comes up, you're like, what do man. I do? <laughs> yeah, this is gross. This is hard. I'm like, I don't even, there's like nothing written in the Bible. There's like, yeah. look at all these books and then you just, you know, you kind of pray and you talk it through and you're, and then you go with, um, but yeah, learning to work together. And, and I, I really like the album. Um, Thank you. I've listened to it multiple times and, um, and obviously, so I'm going to pitch the frequency.fm digital sampler that's coming up. That was yes. like my show voice. It's like the price is right or something. <laughs> I'm um, excited to be on it. Yeah. We've got like all these artists like you and we've got Drew Brown music and a bunch of other people. I can't remember off the top of my head and that's probably <laughs> really terrible, but um, that'll be coming out on noisetrade.com here in the next month. And really stoked that you're a part of that. And um, so, so let's go back to songwriting a bit. Yeah. So you said you record some audio notes. What, what, where does it go from there? Yeah, so I have voice memo ideas that will be sometimes literally me singing a melody, sometimes me quoting lyrics. I'm not very good at writing things down. I'm better at recording ideas. Yeah. So um, that's why I love the iPhone, man. I can sit down at the piano and work out a melody idea too. So then basically over time, I start to compile those ideas like in a folder on my computer. Mm -hmm. um, and then comes the, the labor of making the record. So like some of the songs came out like pretty flushed out. Like as songwriters, I... I you have those moments where those songs feel like they just kind of breathe through your hands and through your voice and they kind of are written in the length of the song. Mm -hmm. And then other songs, I'll get that much for like a chorus or a verse or even just like a tagline. And then I have to go back and say, okay, what is this song about? What do I want to say? And what's the mood I want to create so that the music is married and matching mm -hmm. what the lyrics are trying to accomplish. Um, and then I'll actually work on the song and about half the songs on the record, I ended up um, co-writing with my co-producer, Jordan Hamlin, on because I was either stuck, like I had a chorus and a mm. verse and we needed a bridge. Um, one song, like Remember Love on the record, which is kind of the epic cinematic orchestral song. I had the melody um, and I had the piano chords and the structure for six months. And I liked it so much that I was nervous about writing the mm -hmm. lyrics for it. And so Jordan and I actually sincerely co-wrote that co-wrote that one together in like a half a day um so the the record really represents all different kinds of styles of songwriting you know the straight up inspiration the labors of love and then also the co-writing experience but every song had to tie back to the theme of what the record was about and needed to contribute to the story in some way and there were holes that like in the story and so sometimes it'd be like okay let's like bet on me i was like i really want to write a song that kind of has like that more upbeat sincere feel of, man, we've been through some hard things and we're about to start circle back to maybe another hard topic. But because of the past, mm. you've, we've proven that we can work it out. There's kind of a sense of hope even in the conflict. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted a song that talked about that. And that's where Bet On Me came from. So sometimes it's about, you have like this notion about the song or the yeah. feeling, but you have to figure out how to um, translate that into yeah. lyrics and music that somebody can understand. Absolutely. And that's the and job. Like. A lot of times that's our job as creatives is like, yeah. I've got this idea, but how do I make this into something, um, well, it's pleasant to listen to, you know, yeah. um, yeah. you know, cause sometimes, you know, marriage is loud and sometimes it's quiet and sometimes people are yeah. crying, but like, how do you take all the emotions and the yeah. feelings and, and then the story that you want to present and, and how do you frame that? Absolutely. I mean, I have like a classical piano song on the record called stillness. Mm -hmm. Like even when you say music is marriage is loud and also can be quiet. Like that's kind of what stillness is about. Mm. Are those like, peaceful still moments where you're either depressed 
or just peaceful. And so the song kind of, I feel like has that ability to be sad or happy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so even, like, I was like, I need to, I want this song on there and I don't want to add a lyric to it. You know, mm-hmm. that was, hmm, that was me like going, hmm, mm-hmm. thinking. <laughs> um, so I noticed that you collaborate with other folks and you and I have a mutual friend and uh, Aaron Strumple. Oh, Aaron is one of my favorite and, human um, beings. I got to hang out with him and um, a boy in his kite guy, Dave. Well, you know, of- I, I co-produced a boy in his kite. Did you? Yeah. They, Dave uh, and I work together all the time. Yeah. Dave is fantastic. Um, I yeah. love all the, all the Colorado folks and yeah, we're all um, good friends. So I keep seeing this. Well, one of the things is, first of all, I want to drop in. I keep seeing this really quirky, like summertime Christmas project <laughs> popping up with Aaron. And I wanted to know what that's all about. Yeah. So Aaron and I, I co-produced his Bright Star album mm-hmm. that came out. It was his latest release. And he played trumpet on several page CXVI records, which is how we originally met. Mm-hmm. But after working on Bright Star for about a year, that was a labor for us. It's a beautiful record. He's so talented. Um, we were like, man, we should make a Christmas record together. We have a blast working together. Is that like we- the answer to like artists? <laughs> like, hey, this is our last thing we're going to do. Like take David Crowder <laughs> band, for instance. Hey, we're breaking up, but we made a Christmas album. Yeah, exactly. You know? well, I think Aaron and I, like, it was so funny. The first, the first one we did was a five song EP last Christmas. And literally we did it over Halloween weekend in three days. We took single takes of everything. Wow. And I mean, I mixed it in like four hours and then Dave Wilton actually from a boy and his kite mastered it for us. And, and it was just, the rule was like, just let it be what it's going to be. And, um, it was so fun. We had such a blast that we were like, we have to make a second one. And this one took two weeks. I don't know how we did it in three days last year. What is it? Um, let's, uh, let's pause on that for a second. How? Yeah. So obviously you and Aaron can collaborate really quickly together. Yeah. What makes that different than, um, you know, what makes collaboration work when it's at, it's like, it's, it's peak, yeah. you know, the, and you have like this, you get excited. Like what, what makes really good collaboration between artists? You know, I mean, part of it is effort and time put in like Aaron and I had already worked together for years, but the other part of it, honestly, the people that I've clicked with, it's just, we work together well, right away. Mm-hmm. There's something about our creative compatibility that just is in sync. And man, I've had sessions with co-writers before. I'm, I'm just like, you're a lovely human being, but I'm never going to work with you again. <laughs> it's you over. Know? Cause it was painful. It's like pulling teeth, you know? And, um, with Aaron and like with Dave, who I work with a lot and a few other people and obviously my bandmates, there's times where we have to like work for something, but it's never painful, you know? Um, and we always, I think too, what I really love about like those guys is it's always about serving the music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about ego. Um, it's not about like getting your idea in there and it's about you. It's really about serving the song. And, you know, I, I've gotten to work with the best of men and women, I think mm-hmm. so far. I've been really grateful for it. But yeah, I mean, and Aaron, like what's great about him is like, he's a trumpet player. He plays horns. He plays guitar. He's got a great vocal sensibility. His melody ideas are inherently different than mine, which is really fun because then we can kind of bring different things to the table. Um, and Dave's the same way, but we also grew up like liking a lot of similar bands. Like we grew up in different traditions. Mm-hmm. Like Aaron grew up in jazz. Dave grew up, you know, an emo punk. Um, I grew up with like straight up pop and R and B and classical. Um, and so we all like a lot of the same records now, but we grew up with different traditions. So we have like different beat ideas and different counter melody ideas. 
that we all really enjoy um, that were informed by a different kind of music. So let's talk about influences. You know, who, who would be, you know, three or four influences for you from early on, even now? Yeah. Um, Seeger Rose has to be in there for me. Of all, I mean, I just, Yonzi from them. I just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to lump them together because I love them so much. But Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. Oh, yeah. Love, love yeah. this guy. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and then I, I, I'm going to lump it all together kind of as a category two. Um, I'm going to say like Motown and Stax music, you mm-hmm. know, so like uh, Marvin Gaye, Otis Redding, Charles Wright, um, all the boys, you know, Al Green. Um, those kind of records, man, I mean, they were, they were making music and they were all real players and they understood melody and performance and sensibility and how to like create a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot of soul. There's a lot of yeah, like, um, deep rooted, yeah. um, especially if you find that in the blues or you find that in, even in gospel, um, you find that in a lot of the, um, you know, the, the old school, um, R and B music where those guys, their music really, really sits with you. Yeah. It's memorable. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's, it's, you know, you can smell the cigar smoke and the, yeah. you know, all the feelings in the studio. And I'm like always happy to listen to it kind of almost no matter what mood I'm in, you know, like it always sounds good. Yeah. So, I love um, that stuff. So is the Christmas project, is that available somewhere? What, yeah, so like? Heck Yeah, The Halls Volume 1 is on all online stores, mm-hmm. and there's actually two songs for free on Noise Trade wow. from the first EP if people want it. We've got an awesome live video up, um, Heck Yeah, The Halls, YouTube, heckyeahthehalls.com. And then the second volume we just finished will be dropping the day after Thanksgiving. So it's uh, Heck Yeah, The Halls. Heck Yeah, and it's <laughs> YA. Heck Yeah. Heck Yeah, The Halls.com. <laughs> yeah. All right, I love it. So go to, uh, go find that on Noise Trade. Yeah. Um, let's talk about marketing. Cause sometimes when an artist, an independent artist or are, and are you signed somewhere? No, I haven't been independent my entire career. Okay. We had a little bit of label courting for the okay. autumn film, which was our pop rock band before page TXVI, mm-hmm. but chose to stay on our own. So let's, if we can, let's talk about, cause you know, there's a lot of indie bands out there. Like they were like, Hey, let's go get gigs and let's go do this and let's go get signed. Yeah. What is your perspective on that? Um, I think that that is an old model. I don't think it's wrong. I think that labels are still trying to catch up with where music has gone in the last 10 years with internet and with uh, studios and home studios popping up everywhere because gear is more accessible so people can make records more affordably on their own. Um, I also think it depends what your goals are as an artist. Like if your goal is to be famous um, and not have a lot of creative control, um, if you're starting out with a label, that's generally what happens versus somebody who gets signed much later in their career. Um, then maybe that's for you, but like for me, um, and for the guys in the band, um, and even as Modispira, I think the, my highest value has been freedom of creativity and like control over what I'm making. Um, and I think because of the way platforms are now for music, we have more freedom as independent artists than we've ever had before, but you have to be willing to put in a lot of work, man. Like, I'm still surprised by younger artists that approach me that say like, how do I get to where you are? Mm. And I've been like, well, I've been playing since I was two <laughs> and, I, and I've been gigging since I was 18 Yeah, and I've been touring. I toured all through my twenties. I'm still touring now, you know? Okay. And so I think that you have to be willing to put in the sweat. And I think because the, you know, the market's always changing. So like first it was Napster, 
you know, then it was online music. Then it's like noise trade and giving things away for free. And now it's like streaming services are replacing purchase online music, which is a whole nother new dilemma. Um, but I always say, unfortunately, it's on the creative to maintain being creative about how to monetize what you're doing and how to get people to value what you're doing. And we have to be willing to be on our toes and always willing to kind of change up our models so that we can still work. And we can't like sit in the corner and complain about what's happening with music. It's not going to do us any good. You so know, let's talk about, um, marketing. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of folks, they cringe when it comes to marketing, when it comes to talking about themselves and yeah, things like that. What is your perspective about like, how do you approach, you know, how did, how did you approach the Moda Spear album yeah. from a marketing perspective? What, what does that look like? Um, I knew that I wanted the branding to be consistent, something new and something uh, different from everything I've done before, which is like put a picture of myself on the cover. I've never done that. <laughs> um, but I wanted it to feel like 80s pop, 90s R&B and like indie cinematic, like smooth, warm feeling. So all the color schemes are really warm. Mm -hmm. If you even look through all my photos or go to my website, modaspirit.com, um, there's a palette there that I've really stuck to. And there's like a theme, even with my hairdo, I mean, like everything. So that like, there is like an image associated with Moda Spira. Um, so even when I've done a few gigs live, I dress in that same vein. Um, and, you know, for the first time ever, I actually hired um, PR. I hired publicity for the record for three months. I've never done Good that before. Good for you. Wow. That's a yeah, big, that's was, kind of a big step, isn't it? It was, you know, like page VI was such a niche market that mm -hmm. it kind of promoted itself in some ways. Um, uh, so that was different, but because Moda Spira is in such a larger platform of like R and B indie pop, which is so much bigger and louder. Um, I knew I just would need some help. So I saved some money to do that, man. And like, I'll probably pay to do it again. If I get on another tour or have something to talk about that's like, I want somebody to go to the masses with. Um, so yeah, I would encourage artists if, if you're in a market that's saturated, it's probably smart to think about hiring PR and, and connect with different people about who's good with indie artists. Cause that's like a different level. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted everything to be consistent. I wanted everything to feel like the music felt, if that makes sense. So whatever Absolutely. you're looking at, you're getting the same kind of sensibility visually as you would audibly. What and about, you can't be um, afraid to talk about yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It takes some, <laughs> it takes some real guts to do it and to be, yeah. you know, it, it takes some practice. Um, oh, I had a question. I hate that when that happens and it's not oh, one I'm that sorry. I wrote written down, but it's okay. Oh, let's talk about, um, so what is it? How do you make, what, in your opinion, how does an artist in this current modern age, cause you kind of touched on this a little bit. How do you make money? What's the, yeah. I don't even like the term, but like business model right? Absolutely. Um, I think you have to be willing to play. Um, yeah. and then you also have to be willing to value yourself. Mm. Um, but don't get ahead of yourself with that. So, right. So when I first started, I was playing a ton of open mic nights. I would play anywhere. Somebody would let me for free. I played marathons. I mean, that was a horrible gig. I played like at mile 18, the long beach marathon, <laughs> me and a guitar playing like sad singer songwriter songs at mile 18. We hope you myself. don't die. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. I like felt bad for the runners going by me one at a time. Um, but that's what I mean. Like you have to be willing to do anything, um, to establish some credibility 
And then, you know, with Page Chicks VI and Autumn Film, we got creative. We weren't making enough money doing bar shows. Um, mm. We'd make some, um, but we started doing house concerts, you know, and creating like these tailored cool nights that someone would host in their house. And we travel all over the country and show up in random people's homes and play. And, and we even did, you know, we didn't demand tickets. We did a um, suggested donation. And a lot of people paid more than we suggested because they loved the experience at the end of the night. Um, but you have to be willing to ask for it, you know, and, and now I get, I get paid every time I play and, um, I'm not afraid to ask or up my rates because just like a lawyer or a doctor who's practiced longer and longer, their rates go up. I think the same goes for artists. We get better what we do. We become more and more professional. And so we have to not be afraid to also up our rates with that. Um, and then honestly, I can still do some things occasionally for free if I want to out of like my generous spirit because my bills are being taken care of. So mm. I'm not saying don't ever pay for play for free again or do opportunities. Like I play benefits still for things I really care about for free because I care about it and it's no sweat off my back and it's my joy to do it um, because I can still take care of my expenses in other ways. So that's fantastic. That's uh, yeah. well, that's I'm, and obviously our goal here today was try to encourage, you know, folks that are, you know, they're trying to break out or whatever we want to call it. That's actually, I used to work for a record label. So sometimes I still oh, okay. use those terms. Yeah. You know, but, um, I think this is all super helpful. So as far as your, the Moda Spirits, modaspirit.com yes. and on iTunes, Spotify, yes. everywhere where music is played or sold or spun Absolutely. or whatever <laughs> yeah. we call it these days. Yeah. And, um, but we really want to thank you for being on the show today and we're super excited about having you on the digital sampler. Yes. And hopefully we can come out and see you live sometime soon. Yeah, I'm hoping to get some new gigs put up for the fall. So Absolutely. thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Shut Up and Listen podcast featuring Jim Gray. Shut Up and Listen is a production of Frequency.fm and 330pm.com. For more cool stuff, check us out at www.frequency.fm. Thanks for listening. Stay cool. Stay cool.